Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome back to another Ilmfi podcast. I'm your host Shabir Hassan and uh, I'm super excited for today's episode uh, because we're welcoming another international guest. I think as far as I can remember the last few ones we've come back to more of the local guests and scholars mashallah uh, but we're welcoming someone again from Canada. Uh, we've had some Canadian guests in the past before. Uh, who have we had? I think Ilyas Mao. He's he's from Canada right? Um, he's from a place called Guelph. Uh, <laughs> right I, I remembered that uh, but this time we have someone who's currently in Calgary. Am I correct? That yes. Correct. Okay, yes. fine. And and we had that conversation before. I had no idea, again, where Calgary is or Guelph. I've only heard of really uh, Vancouver, which is a standard one, and Toronto. And yes. That's it, right? Montreal? Montreal, yeah, of course. And Montreal. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Of course, of course. So we have the pleasure of welcoming our dear Sheikh Naveed Aziz onto the podcast. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah wa rahmatullah. How are you? You okay? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Jazakumullah khairan for having me. It's a pleasure and honor to be here with you guys. Alhamdulillah. So just to give you guys a bit of a background, Sheikh literally just arrived in the UK a couple of hours ago. Allahu Akbar. Landed straight into the studio and we're going with the podcast. So we haven't really helped him rest. Bismillah. This is the rest. This is the rest, right? This is the rest. Alhamdulillah. So how is everything? So how... How is everything going in Canada, in Calgary? Describe describe what it's like there. It's been uh, a very interesting two years for the organization that I work with. Yeah, It's called the Islamic Information Society of Calgary. We have two masjids and one youth center. And we were able to buy a building two years ago, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. interest-free, which was a big Mashallah. mission for us because it's in the heart of downtown. Yeah. And then likewise, through the community support, we were opening up another masjid and yeah. a youth center right next to it. So that is something phenomenal nice. as well. Like very few facilities uh, allow for that sort yeah. of thing. But to be able to pull it off, Alhamdulillah, has been a big success from Allah. MashaAllah. You've got a masjid and right next to it, you've got a youth center, yes. which we were actually speaking about. Correct. Which is amazing. It is. Uh, and it's something which is much, much needed. Of course. Where you don't just have the masjid. Let's, let's talk about that for a second. So sure. why did you feel that was important to have them? So maybe why didn't you have it as part of the masjid itself? Right. Uh, why did you have it next door to this? Let's talk about the thinking behind that. Excellent. So one of the challenges with the masjid was the sort of activities that you have in the masjid mm. are clearly more religious focused. Okay. And in any form of disturbance, whether it's young kids you know, speaking loudly or running around yeah, yeah, yeah. or just being kids, was considered a disturbance. Mm. And then the after effect of that, an angry uncle or auntie will get <laughs> mad at them. Yeah. They end up leaving the masjid never wanting to come yeah, back. Yeah. Right. So how do we prevent something like that from happening? And that's where this concept came about. Number two, alhamdulillah, we're very blessed uh, in our community to have a very talented and dedicated brother, Sheikh Ali Nasir, graduated from Medina. Mashallah. He's our full-time youth coordinator. Brilliant. And we wanted to use him uh, <clears throat> to bring youth back to the masjid. Mm. Right? As you know, as people get older, those are the types of people that are coming to the masjid. But the younger you are, it's not much of a thing unless your parents drag you to come there. Exactly. So we wanted to create this space that would be a segue into the masjid. So children as young as three years old are coming to the youth center. They're playing various games and things like that, but they're getting accommodated to the masjid. So a lot of time comes, they hear the adhan, mm. they see people go for salah. Eventually, they learn how to pray and they start praying as well. So nice. that's sort of the the, the the notion behind it was one, to create a segue to the masjid. Yeah. And then number two, as we were discussing, there are people that don't feel comfortable coming to the masjid yeah. through the various stigmas that they, they've suffered in their lives. Uh, so to create a space for them as well. Brilliant. Yeah. No, it's really important because, I mean, 
you know, the UK has a, has a lot to learn from that having a dedicated space. And we've discussed this on the podcast before. Yes. With, for example, like Sheikh Shams Abdullah, one of my teachers, we've spoken about, um, you know, youth engagement, of in course. particular in masjids, because right. it's just getting to that stage now where they have every everywhere else to turn to. Right, right, right. They don't, right. What's, what's, the, what's the pulling factor for them to go to exactly. the masjid? Yes. Uh, and you can argue, well, it should be. Salah, that's not the world that <laughs> we're living in. That's not the now. reality, right? Exactly, right? Yeah, so we yeah. need to have something where, okay, I'll go to the masjid, I can play, I can chill out, relax with some of my friends. Right. And then the clever way is, oh, they hear the adhan. And eventually exactly. they will pray. Exactly. You know, why would they not pray? Exactly. Um, and this is, it's very important to look back at the example of the Prophet wasallam, where the masjid was not just a place <clears throat> for prayer. Yeah. That was where the military expeditions were planned. That's mm. where people used to wrestle. Like all that took place in the masjid. Whereas in our day and age, it's purely about you pray, you'll have halaqa, you'll recite some Quran, and that's it. Only three activities are allowed. Yeah. Everything else has to be outside, which uh, is quite unfortunate, subhanAllah. Yeah, but alhamdulillah, it's great to hear uh, the work that, that you're doing, mashallah. Allahu Akbar, uh, Allahu Akbar. Allah bless you and, I mean, and increase and you. And yeah, I mean, us guys in the UK, we need to we need to step up the game, inshallah. Allah, we'll make it easy. To, uh, and be, you guys have the potential, man. Yeah, you definitely. You guys have the potential. Definitely. Allahu Akbar. Alhamdulillah. Uh, so... On the on the topic of youth, so uh, trying to kind of tie it in because obviously these youngsters will will grow up and then uh, having given them that safe space and that environment, um, and then you know they will face a lot of different trials and tribulations in their life as as is you know of course you see on social media um, rising mental health for example um, you know people talking about all sorts of problems even other extremes when it comes to suicide and etc there's, there's so many things there's so many different factors and elements especially for a young young uh, muslim nowadays living in the west in right. particular right so many different challenges and um i guess spirituality has a huge part to play in all of this of and i know obviously you're in the uk you're doing a few a few events where you're actually speaking more on spirituality yes um and, and in particular on the heart right um which i think is much needed to speak right. about this um because that is the one organ the one piece of flesh in the body like the prophet said if that's cool and if that's fine Allah everything Allah. else is fine Very true. so let's let's speak about why uh do you think uh, you know Focusing on this, you could have spoken about so many other different things. Um, why fo- is focusing on this important for you? And maybe give us a taster of some of the things that you know you will be planning on speaking about. Inshallah. So in terms of the importance, I, I think every individual experiences a void in their life at some point or another. Yeah. And that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala <clears throat> calling out to them, yet them not being able to decipher what that call actually means and what the answer to that actually looks mm. like. So I think a lot of the times we start filling our hearts with a whole bunch of nonsense. Like when you look at addictions, addictions are filling a void in the heart. They're filling a heart, uh, a void in the mind. And that void needs to be filled with the love of Allah and the knowing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's where this seminar is actually coming from. In terms of the approach, uh, my approach is actually, uh, I'd like to think a bit different in the sense that if you look at how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the heart in the Quran, the, the heart is actually a, a function of, um, it, it has a cognitive function, mm. meaning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, do they not have hearts that will reflect and understand? Yeah. So usually you think that's the process of the mind, yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers it to the heart. And what you learn from this is that spirituality is actually a logical function as well. And this is something that I took from uh, Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah, when he talks about two concepts known as zuhud and wara. Okay. So to simplify these two, two concepts for our discussion, zuhud is to abstain from anything that is harmful to your akhirah. Or sorry, okay. zuhud is to abstain from anything that is not beneficial to your akhirah. 
Okay. So anything that is not beneficial to your akhirah, you abstain from it. That is zuhud. Right. And then wara is to stay away from anything that is harmful to your akhirah. So right. zuhud is of a higher level. Right? Okay. Zuhud is a higher level. Wara is a level just lower it. So uh, zuhud is abstaining from anything that's not beneficial. Wara is staying from anything that is detrimental to your akhirah. Now, why is this important to understand? Because this develops a frame of mind that everything that I see, everything that I hear, everything that I touch, mm. it has to be seen from this lens. Is it beneficial to my akhirah? Is it harmful to my akhirah? If it's mm. not beneficial, should I be staying away from it? If it is harmful, I definitely need to be staying away from it. Right. So you develop this sort of paradigm and you try to apply it on the, on, on the day-to-day scale. Everything that we're doing... Is it something beneficial? Is it something harmful? So even our usage of social media, yeah. you know, we like to claim <laughs> I'm trying to give dawah, I'm trying to spread yeah, Islam, yeah. I'm trying to do X, Y, and Z, trying to keep, you know, ties of kinship. We hear yeah, all yeah, excuses. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the overall effect of it, is it more beneficial or is it more harmful? Mm. And this is something where um, I think over the past couple of years, at least on a personal level, I found it more detrimental than anything else. Really? I think it will harden your heart. You will hate Muslims. You will hate the Ummah. Mm-hmm. You will hate you know, everything that uh, Islam stands for due to the things that we get exposed to. One, if you look at the concentrated effort uh, by Islamophobic think tanks, think tanks and the news that they put out there. Yeah. Number two is that as a community, we rarely highlight the positives mm-hmm. and we love to highlight the negatives. <laughs> Anytime yeah. there's a controversy, you know, we're the first yeah, ones to yeah, put yeah. it out there. But, you know, something good happens in the community, maybe like one or two people will talk about it and that's mm-hmm. about it. Um, so I think that sort of exposure just hardens the heart and makes life more difficult to wow. live. So that, in, in essence, is what the class is going to be about. How do you develop this frame of mind? Yeah. Um, and then those times that you do slip up, what does istighfar look like? What does tawbah look like? Mm. You know, is there ever a time where tawbah will not be accepted? Is there mm. a time where istighfar will not be accepted? What do, you know, what do we need to understand about those topics? So it's a very short seminar. It's just two hours. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's going to be quite practical, inshallah. Inshallah. It's interesting what you mentioned about zuhd, for example, that which is not... Uh, beneficial uh, yes. for your akhirah because a lot of people think zuhud is just like abstaining from everything and uh, anything that no, there is no, in not life at all. Just, not at just all. completely disassociating Allah yourself disconnecting uh, yeah. that's, that's what a lot of people think right of course but actually there's this kind of different uh, there's a different way of looking at it I, I, I would say different uh, way that it would impact your spirituality and the impact the way that you kind of navigate your, your way in life yes um, do you feel like that is a bit not not dangerous, but do you feel like living your way like that, thinking that zuhud is, I'm not going to have you know a car, I'm not going to wear <laughs> nice clothes, you know? You see what I mean? Like, yeah, Do you yeah, think yeah. that that is a complete wrong way of, of understanding zuhud? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll answer your question okay, shortly. But I just remembered uh, something. Yeah. There's a very nice book by Sheikh uh, Bakr Abu Zayd, called Hilyat Talib Al-Ilm, or okay. The Adornment of the Student mm. of Knowledge. And in it, he talks about this concept of zuhud. And he quotes uh, Abu Yusuf, where his students came up to him and he says, and the student said, Sheikh, will you not write for us a, a book on, on Zuhud? And he says, I've already written a, a, a book on Buyu' for you, like a book in transactions. <laughs> okay, like, right. what does that even mean, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, why is he avoiding the question? <laughs> and then you realize that's such a deep answer because in business transactions, yeah. there's an, this element of greed, right? That you mm. want to maximize and capitalize as much as you possibly can. Yeah. Yet, 
due to the dubious natures of some transactions, you have to refrain as much as is possible as well. Mm. So when he's talking about Zuhud, he's like, if you want to truly understand Zuhud, look at the way you interact with people, look at the mm. way you do your business transactions. And that's what his understanding of Zuhud was. Interesting. So it was never meant to be like you dress in like torn up raggedy clothing yeah. and you don't have anything nice. In fact, we've seen the exact opposite from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Where he tells Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu that you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves to see the, the effects of his blessings on the slave. Mm. We have the other example where the Prophet was not home one day and three men came and they said, uh, you know, that one is not going to get married, the other one's not going to break their fast, and I think the third one was going to continuously pray. The Prophet reprimanded these people. He's mm. like, I, I fast and I break my fast. I've married and I, I, I spend time with, with my family. Um, so these are things that everything has to be taken in balance. So yeah. I, I never think Islam came in such a way where we're meant to refrain from things, mm. but everything is meant to be done in moderation. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so bringing now what you mentioned on social media into this whole discussion. Yes. Um, it, it, we we can take a similar stance. We can we can have those who say, "Khalas, I'm done with social media because of a few of the reasons that you mentioned." Right. Those who are on the other end, which is like non-stop addiction. Literally, I can't stop consuming. Right. Uh, and then, but do you think there is a, a, a healthy balance that we can we can bring about on social media? Of course, I, I think a balance can exist. Yeah. But we have to understand that some platforms yeah. are more conducive to an imbalance and haram mm. than other uh, things. Like when you look at things like Snapchat. <clears throat> oh um, yeah. How did Snapchat come about? It was about people that wanted to do indecent acts and they didn't want to get caught. <laughs> That's the whole premise Literally, of the platform. Yeah, yeah. So the claim that I'm going there to do something halal uh, or to give dawah, <laughs> I, I don't think that's a platform you want to use. Yeah. Um, and even uh, I find it challenging with Instagram where I don't know why, but Instagram has this algorithm where they, you yeah. know, you speak to any of the brothers, they're like, it's constantly bombarded with haram. Like, even if you don't click on anything haram, <laughs> the haram is always presented to you because they assume that's what you yeah, want to yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. So those are things to be very, very careful, particularly for young men, the things that your eyes get exposed to, you have mm. to be very, very careful. So I think things like Facebook and Twitter are probably more conducive as long as you can minimize uh, the controversies and getting yeah. caught up in them and the debating and the, the hatred and the animosity, of course. It's, it's interesting you mentioned Snapchat because I literally deleted mine a few weeks ago. Allahu Akbar. Uh, I've had it for, to be honest, I never really used it anyway. Yes. But you know, you just get to a stage where you just think to yourself, okay, I have this on my phone. Right. What 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 is this app doing for me? Exactly. And when you think about it, it's like, okay, if I log on, then what am I going to see? I'm right. going to see a list of people. A right. lot of them I might not even know. Yes. Even if I know them, okay, what are they posting? Exactly. Breakfast, dinner, <laughs> lunch, uh, <coughs> where they've gone on holiday, right. who they're meeting. Correct. Is that really benefiting me? That was a question right. I had to ask myself. Yes. Like, okay, fair enough. Maybe on Instagram, I can follow certain shuyukh, certain teachers, Correct. accounts, reminders. Okay, I can. But with Snapchat, it's just like life. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And is it really benefiting? So I had to kind of ask myself, okay, if I'm going to, out of the Twitters and Instagrams and, and YouTubes, etc. Right. If I'm going to get rid of one, as a starting point for myself personally, which one is it going to be? Right. And I realized it has to be Snapchat. Of course. Uh, because of the reasons that I've just yeah, mentioned. Just, yeah. just, so alhamdulillah, it felt really good. Allah Akbar. Got rid of Allah it. Allah bless you. Uh, and uh, now it's now it's the, the rest, you know. And, and I think that that's a question that we all need to ask ourselves. <clears throat> yeah. Like, you know, how many of these social media platforms do we actually need? Yeah. There's a big difference between need and want, right? Absolutely, yeah. How many of these platforms do we actually need? Mm. Now, one of the nice tricks that I was taught recently was even for Facebook, yeah. you know, if you you want to use Facebook, that's fine, but delete the app off your phone. 
So if you want to use it, you have okay. to use it off of the uh, uh, on, like the, the, on your laptop or, or your desktop. Yeah. We are less likely to spend time. Whereas you're in the car, you're waiting, you're on the tube, you want to go through your feed, yeah, and yeah. you get addicted to just scrolling mm. down. So to break that addiction, you delete the app and you just okay. use Facebook. You know when you're seated, seated somewhere and you you have time to, <clears throat> to use it. That's a good. So. That's a good tip. That's a very yeah. good tip because I've realized even you know subhanallah, even it affects your salah, your worship. Oh yeah. Because you know the moment you feel a vibration yes. in your salah, you yes. know. Oh, what is it? Is it Facebook? Exactly. Is it, is it WhatsApp? Is and, it some some update in and, my life? And I would make that another point as yeah. well. Turn off the notifications. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like uh, for all of my social medias, I have all the the notifications turned off. Right. So I'd have to open up the the app, and then you see the notification see inside. It. Right. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. That's yeah. good. So delete the actual app off your phone if you can. Again, this is not yeah, practical yeah, for everyone. Course. Yeah, yeah. But those that are able to delete the app, if you're okay. unable to delete the app, at least turn off the notifications. notifications. Everyone can turn off the notifications. Okay, brilliant. Now that's that's a really good tip uh, yeah. because the thing is, the the day and age we're living in, there's a new app coming out all the time. All so the time. Recently, TikTok. Everyone's talking. There's oh, this new God. app, right? I don't my even know. Uh, really? you know, I've had such a huge discussion with it is it, it is but it's, it's yeah, more yeah. catered towards the, the younger yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, demographic yeah. right yeah. so now there's this one and there's yeah. like that's an, that's like it's literally on the level of Instagram now of course so now you've got all of these people rushing towards this yeah and then again like if you go on it really what are you going to see it's with the t- like, like TikTok I haven't researched <clears throat> it thoroughly but okay. the discussion I keep having with my kids all of their friends have mobile phones now. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, not until you turn 16, I'm not getting a mobile okay, phone. Fine. And so you're we have old na- school like that. Yeah. yeah very old school. Yeah, okay, cool. We have neighbors that are like nine years old and eight years old and they have mobile phones. I'm like, why do they need a mobile phone? <laughs> Who are they going to be calling? What are they going to be doing that they need a mobile phone yeah, for? Yeah. Uh, but those are some of the challenges. And then when they get exposed to their friends and obviously these friends yeah, have TikTok on it. I'm like, why do you need this stuff? Yeah. Like, uh, f- maybe you can tell me more about TikTok. But isn't it just like you're you're imitating some song and you're singing something it, something like or that. something yeah, like yeah, that? There's, there's, so there's like, something. where's the 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 positive function is yeah. in this, right? It's there's good. no positive function as far as I can understand, um, unless you start <laughs> developing like a Quran version, <laughs> where like you're imitating someone's recitation or something. But Allah perhaps, Allah. perhaps, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's interesting. So 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 you're you're more of the type of you, your your child turns sixteen. You get a phone, which is exactly how my father was, by the way, as Allah Allah before Allah. we went to college, which is around the age of 16. Right. No mobile phone. Correct. Um, now you're going to college. Okay, fair enough. You're seen as a, an adult. You right, might need right, the phone right. now. Yeah. But even then, it was very limited. Like yeah. I remember the first year or so that I had the phone, I had to leave it downstairs. Couldn't right. take it upstairs to my bedroom. Yes. Leave it downstairs. Smart. You don't need it when, you, when you're upstairs, right? Yes. And then the older you get, okay, a bit more freedom. Right. Which obviously at the time, as someone young, I was like, come on, why are you of restricting course. me so much? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't trust me kind of thing. But now looking back, it, it actually makes decision. a lot of sense. Allah because Allah now Allah what do we do before we go to sleep? It's like the light is blaring in your yeah, face. And, and you don't even sleep through. properly. SubhanAllah. So I, there's a lot of wisdom in that. Allah there's a lot of wisdom in that. And so how are your, if you don't mind me, how are your children taking like that? Because it's, because it's, a, con- it's a constant struggle, yeah. right? Like the, the struggle isn't I want a mobile phone. The struggle yeah. is my friends have one. Why can't I have one as well? Mm. Then how do you have that difficult yeah, conversation that, you know, not all parents are the same, not all children are the same, yeah. and not all people have the same values, mm. right? So it's a, it's a difficult conversation to have. But I think as long as the parents are persistent and, um, 
they're in unison as in they don't like betray each other yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> inshallah they'll, they'll, they'll be good to go inshallah. inshallah another thing just going back to what you mentioned is this whole kind of there's like this toxic environment on on social media which is debating yes. and getting involved in controversies uh, and, and you summed it up nicely which is that something bad happens we're all over it of course something good happens very no few people about are talking it. about it yeah. right which is which kind of kind of just summarizes even the media in general right of course, but then 100%. even on a on a, on a smaller scale with Muslims, we do the same thing pretty right. much, right? Um, so what would your like tips be to people who, who love this kind of... Because this is what it is. Like People are making... As soon as something happens, right? Let's make a video on this. Let's address this. Yeah, and yeah, we're giving yeah. it so much more exposure yeah. than it deserves. It doesn't deserve our attention. 100%. So what 100%. would you say? Man, I wish I knew what to say. Um, but I think a lot of this will come back to the foundation that we established. Yeah. Is it beneficial to my akhirah? Is oh, it yeah. harmful to my akhirah? Mm. You keep bringing everything back to that. You will eventually filter out all of the, the stuff in your life that isn't beneficial to your akhirah. And that's what we eventually want to do. Now, the question that people often have is, if we keep eliminating things, mm. then how do you keep having fun? Right. And that's what you have to understand, that even having fun in Islam has its place. That mm. you know, if you're having fun and your enjoyment, which is halal, gives you a break so that you can worship Allah harder when you get back to it, this is what is encouraged, sure. right? The heart does get bored, but at the same time, it needs moderation of fun. Mm. So now, to address your actual topic, every fire needs fuel. And mm. if there's no fuel, there will be no fire. Now, the reason why I mention that is there are certain individuals on social media that are prone to just spreading controversies and sure. just creating controversy. Like they, yeah. they thrive on that stuff. And this is where the lay person comes in and they are the, the actual fuel for the fire. Mm. And this is where I think that if people stopped liking, people stopped sharing, people stopped commenting, we can actually change the culture. But it mm. has to be a collective effort. It can't just be, you know, the people in the room today. It has to be everyone that's listening, that they make a collective effort, that someone that's trying to spread, you know, nonsense in our community, we yeah. can't give them space. We sure. have to make sure that they do not get the attention that they desire. Mm. And in fact do the exact opposite where we do not even pay any attention to them whatsoever. Mm. Um, so that would be my advice on that. Uh, it's true because, you know, when you stop giving attention to a particular individual after some time, they just, they realize this is working. Eventually, yeah. yeah they they have working. to. Yeah. Or, or, or the, the opposite, which is they double their efforts and they, they find a way, <laughs> they find, which is happened down. before. Yeah, yeah they course. double down. So, 100%. but yeah, it's, I, I believe in what you've said, like we are, we are, you know, a, a huge kind of we we have a huge part to play in this problem, which is that it's because of the attention that we're giving, and it's because of um, you know everything that the way that we're responding to it is is creating a bigger bigger issue. So the of course, you know, no fire without fuel. Absolutely, I agree with you on that. Um, moving away from social, we weren't even supposed to, by the way, really discuss social media. But look <laughs> that here. is the effect of social media, right there. <laughs> exactly. You can't ignore it. Exactly. But since we've got you from from Canada, Hamdala, yes. you're here for a few days with us. Uh, you know, there's there's different kind of things that I wanted to speak about with you. Of course. Um, so we we spoke about the heart and then bringing social media into it. Um, something else that is really important. Again, coming back to youngsters, right? Uh, the last uh, episode we had, I told you, was with uh, Ustad Asim Khan. Yes. Uh, a lot of it was marriage, right? Yes. Uh, you know, conflicts within marriage and, um, you know, uh, how to overcome that, how to have a, a secret to a happy marriage. Right. Something interesting that we, we very briefly discussed, um, which comes back to, I guess, communication, etc., uh, which is actually before marriage. Yes. So the premarital side of things. Um, you said you have something which you've spoken about before, something interesting, which is, was it 10 conversations you should have with your spouse ah, before you get married? Very important, because yes. we didn't we didn't go into this as much with Ustad Asim Khan, which is 
before even making that decision right. to commit to someone, right. uh, what kind of conversations should you have? And this is a really common question, by the way. Of course. A lot of people don't know. They're like, right, so what do I ask? What's your favorite color? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is, is this going to exactly. benefit me? Yeah. Um, so, okay, so you have a list of 10. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, 10 topics. 10 okay, topics. 10 topics. Yeah. Okay, let's go into it. Where would, where would we start? Then? Okay, so the first thing I would do is yeah. we have to be introduced to something called question engineering. What mm-hmm. does question engineering actually mean? So when people are ready to get married, they will ask questions like, do you pray? Right. Now, presuming that you come from a, a practicing Muslim family, the obvious answer is yes, even though you may not pray five times mm-hmm. a day. Mm-hmm. Now, why are you going to say this? Because that's what the other person wants to hear. Of so then you come into something called question engineering, which is you learn to ask questions in a way where the other person doesn't know how to answer the question or they don't know what the correct answer actually is. Right. So you ask someone, are you more just or are you more merciful? Now you have to give an honest answer because okay. one is neither more virtuous yeah, than the yeah, other, yeah. right? So even when discussing these topics, you have to make sure you don't fall into that uh, pitfall of giving someone the ability to answer the question in a way that they know that's what you want to hear. Mm, okay. So almost like hiding your hand, like yeah, don't give out yeah, too yeah. much. So ask the question in that way. Number two, in terms of these actual 10 topics, uh, they're actually vast. And I think that's why we call them 10 conversations as opposed to 10 topics yeah. because they shouldn't be conflated with one another. <clears throat> so number one is the past. In the past, we talk about everything that is relevant to the marriage. And this is, can be a wide variety of things. And I'll, I like to give examples as well. So a husband and wife, they're trying to cross a border into a different country and the husband gets denied entry. Why was he denied entry? Because he had a criminal record that the wife didn't know about. Yeah. So something like that is a very important conversation to have. <laughs> okay. You spend thousands of dollars going on a honeymoon and you can't <laughs> even get there because you're denied entry into that country. So things that are relevant. Now, people often ask, should I convey uh, or confess my sins? No, mm-hmm. that's not the point here. Right. Your sins are between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is not relevant to this individual. Anything that would be relevant, you should. So if you were, you know, you've lost your license, you're banned from driving, or you can't be entered into a country, things of that yeah, nature yeah. you want to talk so about. Being a bit more honest, basically. Exactly. Number two is the future. What are your goals and ambitions for the future? So there was a, a time where there was a huge discussion on hijrah. You know, certain people, they want to move overseas and Mm -hmm. live in the Muslim country. Other people didn't. Now, you can imagine if you haven't discussed this topic, you get married and the husband's like, okay, within three years, we're going to be moving, you know, to Saudi Arabia. And the wife's like, what are you talking about? I'm (laughs) finishing my degree now. You know, I want to stay here in England. So you discuss the future. What does the future in its generality look like for you? So those are two conversations right over there. Number three. Sorry, just before we move on. So with the future. Yes. Um, because I, this, is, this is a big one. And it's yes. so, I, I believe it's so general um, because everyone has, again, I guess it comes back to what you're saying about how to engineer your questions, right? Of because course. it's not enough to just ask, what's your, what's your plan in the future kind of thing? Because of course. then you could say so many things, right? Of course. Uh, how would you kind of more specify or how would you engineer that question? Because again, it's, it's one of those really weird ones general yeah ones. so uh, again remember this is not a question per se it's a conversation sure, sure, sure. Okay. because it'll cover a wide yeah, variety yeah, of yeah. things in terms of where you want to live do you want to study do you want to work right you know things of, of, of that mm. nature so you don't have to get too bogged down in yeah, terms of yeah. what the specific question is but what i would say is 
you know, ask questions in such a way where the person doesn't know what, what answer to yeah. give. Okay. So in, in terms of the future, you can ask what are your plans for the future and let them open up. Mm. You can also ask, you know, what excites you about the future? So change that up a little bit, mm. more intriguing. But then at certain points, you have to ask them, you know, particularly for the sister, uh, are you planning on working or do you want to stay home? Are you planning on... You know, homeschooling our kids. Actually, that's a separate topic. So we'll get to that <laughs> later. But working or staying home, yeah. getting more education, <clears throat> things of that nature, you okay. know, you bring up at, at right. this time. So over here, it's just about, again, being honest as much as you can. Yeah. Um, and then see, seeing how that goes. Okay, cool. So that's the past and the future. Yeah. Then number three, we bring in the dean. Yes. What is your understanding of the dean? Where are you now? Where would you like to be? And this is something I, I can't emphasize enough. You have to marry people for their potential. You can't mm -hmm. marry people for where they are right now. Mm -hmm. And this has to be taken in both ways. Because you meet someone and their iman is really, really high mm -hmm. at this point. But eventually as time goes on and that high of iman goes away, then you're left with the real individual that's yeah. left. And at the same time, you could meet someone that they're really struggling right now. They've hit mm -hmm. a, a rough patch in their life. Things aren't going their way. Iman is really down. So then when you get married to people, you're getting married for their potential and not for where they are right now. Right. Because one of the objectives of marriage is that you both <clears throat> work on your iman together yeah. and you lift it up. So someone may not be praying five times a day. That's not so much of our concern. Our concern is, is this something you're willing to be committed to? Is there something that we can work on together mm -hmm. when we're married? Is this a fundamental value that we're going to uphold in our household, particularly when we have children? Right. So focusing on, on those sort of things. Likewise, the role of the Quran, the role of Islamic education, the role of reading together. You know, one mm -hmm. of the things I can't highlight enough, something simple as like reading Imam Nawi's 40 Hadith or Riyadh al-Salihin or even Tafsir together, that will go a long way in the family. Is that something mm -hmm. you're actually open to? Right. So right. these sort of things, uh, discussing them uh, in terms of what the values of our deen are, mm -hmm. how important they are to us, how are you going to implement them and having a discussion and dialogue about that. A lot of people might say, OK, you know, if, if I did ask, are you praying right now? And they say, you know what, I'm actually not. Then a lot of people might just rule it out straight away because for them, obviously, prayer is, is really important. But what you're saying is important, which is also seeing potential of course. because they could within... Uh, you know a space of time become far better than even you are of course right? 100% uh, but I guess as well there's that you know uh, which but is natural I'll yeah. highlight something for you right Go away on, yeah. which is the very fact that you feel comfortable enough telling me that I'm not praying right now shows me that you may, that you value honesty right and that shows me potential okay because the liar that's the person you want to stay away from, mm. even if they pray five, five yeah, times yeah, a day. Yeah. Whereas the person that's honest, that shows me potential. Mm, okay. So I, I would say there's always a, a way to look at things. Okay. So yes, Salah is very important. No one can downplay it. It's a, a fundamental pillar of our, of our faith. And it's the distinction between Islam and Kufr, as the Prophet yeah. says. Awesome. But at the same time, understanding the reality <clears throat> behind it, that not everyone is at the same place where we are. Mm. And when the Prophet wasallam was introduced to his companions, he saw in them potential. And that's what we need to see in people as well, particularly Brilliant. our future spouses. Okay. No, that's a good point. I think you've answered my question then. Excellent. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, so three, uh, number three was Dean. Number four is family. Okay. Family consists of a, of a wide variety of topics. Um, we will talk about living situation over here. Are you expecting me to live with my in-laws? Uh, we will be talking about um, what's going to happen on Eid. You know, Eid day comes. <laughs> are we going to visit your family? Are we going to visit my family? What's going to happen yeah. on that today? What are expectations in terms of my interaction with your family? Am I responsible for cooking for them, cleaning for them, doing their laundry? Like how far does it go? Right. So those sort of things I think is very important to understand. You know, particularly this relationship with uh, in-laws, 
It's such oh, yeah. a fragile relationship. Yeah. SubhanAllah. Like if you look at a lot of the breakdowns in the relationship, mm. often it has to do with influence from the in-laws. Definitely. So discussing family at that time as number four uh, is what I would prioritize. Okay. Number mm. five is finances. Mm. Finances in terms of do you have a job right now? Are you planning on getting a job? Where would you like to see your career in a couple of years from now? What are you doing to get to that, to that phase, right? Okay. So those sort of fundamental questions. Same thing with the wife over here. Are you expecting her to work? Are you expecting her to stay home? Yeah. Have clarity on that, right? And also keep in mind that people do change their minds. Yeah. Someone may say that, you know what? <clears throat> I wasn't planning on working, but, you know, circumstances changed. Something mm -hmm. happened. A passion ignited. And on the other hand, a brother may think that, you know what? I want my wife to stay home and she agrees to it. But then time comes. They don't have money to pay the bills. She may be forced to work mm. at that time, right? So there has to be uh, some flexibility at that time. So that's in terms of work, in terms of our savings. What are we saving towards? Um, the always controversial topic, are we going to be taking a mortgage for buying our house? Mm. Particularly in North America, we don't have as many, you know, Islamic mortgaging companies right. as you do over here. So that's always an important discussion to have. Okay. What is our investment strategy going to look mm. like? So that's number five, which is finances. Number six is the kids. And I cannot emphasize this enough. Um, Which a lot of people, I think, don't have a conversation about because they feel like it's too premature to discuss kids at this stage. Yeah. I'm not even committed yet. It is a, uh, it is a deal breaker, man. Yeah. It is a deal breaker. Because now what's happening is as more and more people are getting married, mm. there's also this concept of I don't want to have kids. I right. want to be free. I want to focus on my career. I want to focus on traveling. I want to focus on X, Y, and Z. Mm. So you have to make sure that the person that you're marrying is on the same page as you, that yes or no, we don't have want to have kids. If we are going to have kids, you know, what is that going to look like? Mm. So certain fathers may be very offhand. We won't change diapers. We won't drop them off to school. We're just there to pay the bills. Mm. Whereas other fathers, they're okay being very hands-on yeah. and doing all the things that mm. a, a normal father would do. Mm. So having those discussions and seeing, you know, what people are, are comfortable with. Um, in terms of education, are we going to put them in Islamic school? Are we going to homeschool them? Are we going to put them in public school? Right. Are we going to put them on a Saturday and Sunday school? Like have these sort of discussions. Mm. Um, and you're right that certain people may feel it's very premature. Yeah. But if you don't talk about it in advance, you know, I've seen disasters uh, that have taken place. SubhanAllah. Yeah. So with kids, yeah. So even, even then still going into even that much detail, homeschooling and things like that. Like, yes. Even though that's, that might be years ahead. But you're saying have, have those conversations. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So that's number six. Yeah. Number seven, we talk about um, <clears throat> friends and pet peeves. Right. So who are your friends? Why are you there, your friends? What makes them so special? And this is like based upon that concept of like birds of a feather flock together. Yeah. So if there's these traits in your friends, more than likely you'll have these traits as well. Yeah. And then at the same time, we bring up the issue of what are things that annoy us? Mm. Um, so things that you find very uh, bothersome. And you'd be amazed that there's certain things that bother people that we would think very trivial. Like mm. uh, instances where, you know, my, my spouse is always biting their nails and mm. it constantly annoys me. So you have to discuss, you know, yeah. those things that annoy you. Um, so though that, that would be number seven. Now, in this sort of situation... I, I, again, I would emphasize the importance of knowing who your spouse's friends are because right. they will tell you so much about your spouse. There's no way that you can all have you know, a certain type of friend and you turn out different. Okay. That's just not yeah, how it yeah, works, yeah. right? You are very likely to be uh, you know, what your, your friends mm. consist of. So take the time to get to know their friends 
and what they are about, what they like, what they dislike, yeah. what it, their their situation is in their deen, what their family situations are like, what they do when they hang out, mm. and all those sort of things. Right. Um, so that's number seven. So so. <laughs> So I'm allowed to go on the profile and check who their Facebook friends are. <laughs> uh, that's a, a great point. That's, that that's is like a, the modern a, day a way great of doing point. it, right? Literally just browsing through, right? True. <laughs> and then I, I, I think if someone that goes really well prepared into this conversation, yeah, you would have wanted to have done that. You know, see who their friends are. Yeah, yeah. You can ask them, okay, why are you friends with this person? You know, I just saw them doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah, yeah. Like, how do you explain that? And these are important conversations okay. to have. Yeah. Um, okay, so that was number seven. Number eight uh, is expectations. Okay. So what are your expectations of me? Mm. What are my expectations <clears throat> of you? And how realistic are those expectations? So the expectation that a wife has to cook, clean, have a full-time job, and take care of the kids mm. in the modern-day context is next to impossible. So in that yeah. sort of situation, what type of help will be provided? Uh, what roles will be shared? Mm. And, and those sort of things. Right. Um, so that would be number eight. Number nine, um, I would talk about um, in terms of what was number nine. I can't even remember number nine right now, subhanAllah. But hopefully I'll come back to it yeah, very soon. Yeah, inshallah, no problem. I'll come back very, very soon. Number nine, if I'm not mistaken, was... No, I can't remember what number nine. not coming nine back? It's not coming back. Do you remember back. number ten? I can't remember number ten either <laughs> nine, because it was a, a sequence in yeah, my yeah, head yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that I had. But so hopefully it'll come back. It sooner might come or later. back, yeah. But yeah. there's, but there's, but but ten is, but like you said, there's there's aren't ten questions. There are literally ten, ten conversations, and that yeah. opens up so many other conversations. Of course, exactly. Like so many, right? Yeah. Um, oh wow, we have ten topics from Sheikh Navid as he's posted on twenty fifth of December two thousand and eleven. Allahu Akbar. At twelve thirty five. Allahu Akbar, man. Okay. Here you go stalking <laughs> someone's profile. <laughs> uh, right. So I believe I don't know if you've done it in the same order. No, they're not in the they're same. They're not order. in the same order. Yeah. Have we've discussed habits and hobbies? Habits and hobbies. No. There okay. we go. Habits great, and hobbies. Great, great, brilliant. Yep. Okay. Habits and hobbies and health. And health. There Those we are go. The two. Excellent. Uh, that's see. That's the positive of social media. Shay. Allahu Akbar. <laughs> Allahu Akbar. But that's yeah, also the scary thing. Yeah, what year true. did you dig that up from? What year is that? 2011. 2011. That's eight years ago. Okay. So uh, habits and hobbies. Yeah. How do you spend your free time? You know, when you have free time, what are you going to be doing? Um, Again, you know, what we do with our free time really, it's who we are. Mm. So you have this free time. What are you doing with it? Are you spending on social media? Are you watching movies? Are you playing video games? What are you going to be doing? Um, And then the last one was health. And subhanAllah, I can't believe I I forgot that because that was the obvious one. But certain people will contract diseases. So Mm. if you have a disease, this is something that needs to be made clear uh, in advance. Or likewise, if there's a history in your family for like diabetes or heart disease and things of that nature, then that also has to be brought up because that's going to be a a serious discussion to have. Mm. What is your current state of health? Like subhanAllah, there was one extreme case where a person had cancer and they hid it from their spouse no way still like you know a year down the line where they're getting chemotherapy and a whole bunch of stuff is going on they're like i didn't sign up for this Mm. other cases where someone had mental health issues that was hidden and then you know on the night of the marriage it came out Hmm. um so these sort of things subhanallah i I think it's very important to discuss and be open and upfront about about. yeah Yeah. so the the hobbies one is quite is quite a good one actually knowing what they do what what your potential spouse is up to right. or wants to get up to in in their spare time um because that would say a lot because obviously you are going to have a lot of spare time um and 
you know sometimes the the other the other half wants to is quite adventurous wants to right. go out a lot and the other is just like more of a cata- uh, potato exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. couch you know like, like i was telling yeah. you about my daughters like the two yeah. different personalities one okay, yeah. you know loves to read the other one wants to be out and about yeah. imagine you have a couple like that one wants to stay home and read and the other one wants to yeah, go hiking yeah. and stuff <laughs> what are you going to do at that time so let's say it gets to a stage where they've agreed on everything but then there's something like this like like a clash which isn't maybe major in their eyes but you know one does want to go out and how would you kind of try to maybe meet halfway excellent so the the fundamental question we were asking with these conversations is yeah. are we compatible okay so now if you differ in something understanding that differing is healthy and is actually good yeah. but you can't differ on fundamental values so for someone religion is very important for their person they hate religion altogether yeah. those are fundamental values sure. that you cannot reconcile but in something like this where a person likes to stay home and the other one likes to hike mm. how much do you hate going out and how much do you hate staying in mm. so you ask this question if you absolutely detest it and can't stand it, okay look it's a fundamental difference right. what if it's like you know what i'd be willing to compromise where one weekend we stay in one weekend we go out you now everyone's happy in that sort of situation so this is about being open and frank but what i would like to highlight over here marriage is 50% about knowing who you are. Mm. Like who are you as an individual? Do you know all these questions that you're going to ask about to someone else yeah. about yourself first? Mm. And I think a lot of the times we don't because yeah. we just look at physical attraction. Yes, they would be a compa- they would be a good mate. Let's get married. Mm. But we don't know who we are deep down inside. And then <laughs> as we try to find ourselves in marriage, that person has too much pressure on them at that time. Uh, yeah. which we want to try to avoid. And yeah, exactly. You don't want to realize when it's too late either. Exactly. Sure exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I think is why these actually 10 kind of um discussion points are really really important. It's the first time I've I've heard it like kind of summarized. So like I I, I need to give credit where credit is due, but uh my eyes were drastically open in speaking to uh, a comedian Baba Ali. No way. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So all this is inspired by my discussions with Baba Ali and doing research after that. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I yeah, know yeah. he does work like in, Yeah, in yeah, that, he runs that, field, that right? uh, matrimonial website yeah, yeah, yeah. that used to be called Half Ardeen, yeah. but it's changed its name recently to I think Half Deen or something like okay. that. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, mashallah. Yeah. yeah, that's unexpected. I didn't expect you Allah to. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay, that's really I think that's really useful especially before you've even thought about taking that step which yes. is great um and and something else which i think is really important that i wanted to discuss today and if anything it ties in with marriage and it ties in with your career your life in general uh, and it's being spoken about so much today is emotional intelligence Allah everyone's Allah. it's it's a big thing now Allah Allah. Uh, and just a quick search like people are literally saying that this is the key to like your personal and and everything else success in like right. your personal life and your career like yeah. emotional intelligence yes. which is and it's obviously something big that we find in the seerah as well of our prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam um it's something that you've spoken about before let's firstly define uh what does that mean everyone's heard of intelligence everyone heard of everyone's heard of emotion but right. when you put the two together emotional what does that actually mean yeah okay so it consists of three things right the ability to understand your own emotions mm-hmm. the ability to understand someone else's emotions and based upon the knowledge of these two key things how do you get to desired destination in the relationship okay so that's what emotional intelligence is all about and that's why particularly in the workplace when you talk about leadership it is something that is highly emphasized okay. now what needs to be understood is that scientific backing of emotional intelligence is non-existent like right. there is no test to yeah. test yeah. emotional intelligence we know it's something that that exists we just yeah. haven't come up with a test for it okay. so that's something that's very important to understand it's not a science as of yet yeah. but it is being developed why do you think it's being spoken about more now 
why you think it's something that's that's coming up now and maybe I mean not that we're saying no one spoke about it before but it just seems to be you know it seems to be on the up everyone's speaking about it leaders are speaking about it CEOs business mm. personalities scholars even right it's coming up a lot and I know uh, you know some of the lectures you've done is based on Sheikh Mikhail um, yeah. who's who's written on, on something like this right so yeah. why is it something that's coming up now and why is it so important so in the, in the self-development field mm. The focus is always on how do I improve myself? How do I make myself more successful? Mm. How do I become the ultimate leader? Right. Eventually, you realize that a lot of the theories that are propagated are just fluff. Okay. And when they're disproven, you have to find a new theory yeah. to push, 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 make more money, make more money, yeah. till it's proven wrong, and then you move on to something else. So I think that was the natural <clears throat> you know, progression that took place where okay. A lot of other things weren't working yeah. or the that field got saturated. So people had to move mm. on to a new field to try to monetize it more. Right. Now, from the Islamic standpoint, I think Sheikh Mekail, he was uh, a revolutionary in the standpoint, man. Okay. Like I cannot praise his book enough, subhanAllah. The book is called With the Heart and Mind, uh, The Emotion and Moral Intelligence of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And the book is broken down into four chapters. Chapter number one is looking at the concept of aql, and it looks at uh, al-muhasabi's uh, theory on what mm. the aql actually is. Uh, chapter number two is about examples of emotional intelligence from the life of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Example, uh, chapter number three is about moral intelligence, and chapter number four is about radical change. Right. And he fits everything in so nicely and cohesively, mm. with great examples from the seerah, with great examples from the Quran. So when you understand the concept of aql. The aql was always meant to bring us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm. And he starts off with this fundamental question, who is the most intelligent person that you know or the most intelligent person that you've heard of? Right. We would think of like, you know, Bill Gates or, or mm. Tom Cook or uh, Steve Jobs or uh, Elon Musk. Yeah, like, yeah, this is yeah. what we think of. Yet the Prophet is not at the top of the list mm. when clearly mm. he was the most intelligent person because he took the ummah out of absolute darkness, not only into light, but in terms of how Islam, quickly Islam spread mm. in a short period of time and the impact that he had and the drastic change that took place, he clearly had to be the most intelligent. And he quotes uh, Wahhab ibn Munabih saying that there was no one more intelligent than the Prophet sallallahu So that's what chapter one focuses on. Chapter two is just uh, I guess a, thing a lot of, of beauty, us are man. interested in this. Like, exactly, you know, it is a thing of beauty. And this scene. is where, you know, subhanAllah, we could spend a whole podcast on this. Yeah. But if you look at just one ayah in the Quran, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says at the end of Surah At-Tawbah, لَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ مِّنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ عَزِيزٌ عَلَيْهِمْ عَنِتُمْ حَرِيسٌ عَلَيْكُمْ بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ رَعُوفُ الرَّحِيمٌ That indeed there has come to you a messenger from amongst you. It greatly impacts him and is painful to him, the pain that you go through. And he desires that which is best for you. And he is compassionate and merciful with the believers. So now if you look at this just one ayah, what do we extract from it? Number one is that the Prophet ﷺ was a man from amongst the men. But why mm. is that relevant? It's relevant over here because the pain that people go through, he too went through. Mm. And this is when you look at the seerah from that lens, the fact that the Prophet ﷺ lost his father at a very young age, eventually loses his mother, eventually loses his grandfather, eventually loses Khadija radiallahu anha, eventually loses Abu Talib, eventually loses all of his children except mm. for Fatima, like this is an extreme amount yeah, of loss. So any amount of loss that a person goes through, the Prophet has felt it. Mm. You want to talk about betrayal and treachery, 
We see that that happened when the Prophet ﷺ entered into Medina and some of the tribes betrayed him. Mm. You want to talk about complete abandonment, you look at the incident of Taif. You know, mm. He comes to offer them something good and they pelt him and turn them away. Um, so every form of pain that an individual can feel, the Prophet ﷺ felt. Mm. And that's why when people approached the Prophet ﷺ, this was the lens that he approached them with, that I understand your pain. Mm. And when you understand people's pain <clears throat> and you can validate their emotions and can provide them solutions, you know, that's how you win uh, unquestioned loyalty that the Prophet mm. had. So to summarize this, compo this component is the Prophet at least what is being argued over here, is that he would approach the relationship from a segment of pain. Identify the pain, validate the emotion, provide a solution, take away that pain. Then build upon this relationship now by giving them something beneficial. Build upon that which is beneficial and be compassionate and merciful with the people at all times. Right. So that's the paradigm of who the Prophet was. And you see this in so many examples. So I want to share <clears throat> like two examples with you. Yeah. One is the example of Fatima radiallahu anha, where Aisha radiallahu anha, she narrates that when the Prophet wasallam was close to his the time of death, he summoned Fatima radiallahu anha. Yeah. He whispered something in her ear, which which she cried. Then he whispered something in her ear, which which she laughed. Yeah. Now let's understand this in context, where when he whispered in her ear and she cried, it was that he was about to pass away. Yeah. And then he whispered in her ear and she was about to and she laughed. It was that she would be the first relative to be joined with the Prophet I want you to think about the relationship that a father and a daughter have in our day and age. How many young girls? can actually understand the statement of, I only have six more months to live. Like, mm. you know, how do you comprehend a statement like that? Like, you have to trust your daughter with that statement that she's going to know what to do with it. Mm. The Prophet ﷺ, he instilled that in Fatima radiallahu anha. But what's even more amazing is that when he told her, you're going to be the first of my relatives to die, she didn't cry, she laughed out of joy that I will get to be with my father. And this mm. is that unquestioned love and loyalty that I was talking about, that when the Prophet ﷺ would see Fatima radiallahu anha come in, he would embrace her and offer her his seat. Mm. That, that was the type of commitment and dedication he had to her. And no one ex uh, you know, um, reminded Aisha radiallahu anha more of the Prophet ﷺ than Fatima, than the way that she acted and conducted herself, and then the way that she walked. So this mm. relationship was a, a very profound relationship. That's so much so that when he told her, hey, you only have six months to live or a year to live uh, left as well. She's like, if it means I get to be with you, Allahu Akbar, you know, I, I don't want any, anything more that's than with that. him being, you know, the, the leader and that's with him being everything else that he exactly. was. Exactly. He, he's also being the father, yeah, the husband. Yeah, yeah. And that's amazing because I guess like coming back to this, even talking about marriage, right? Like yes. we get so caught up in doing everything else and yes. forgetting to be the, the, the guy who's at home, the family man, right. you know, the, the family woman, right? right. Um, but subhanAllah, the Prophet being all of everything that he was, being the, the Nabi and everything, Allah Akbar. He's there. He's, he's there. there. And he has that relationship. He still had the time to be a good father, exactly. which is amazing. Yeah. Right? Allah Akbar. A good father, a, a great <laughs> husband. You know, we, there's the example of, I'm not going to get into it, but the example of Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha where he tells her, you know, I know when you're happy with me and I know when yeah, you're angry yeah. with me. You know, you say by the Lord of Ibrahim when you're angry and you say by the Lord of Muhammad when, I'm, <laughs> when you're happy. And then she responds to the messenger of Allah, even though the words may change, my love remains for you in my heart. Like, there's so many lessons just in yeah. that incident. Uh, but the second incident I wanted to share with you, and this is where you know, we get into the metaphysical realm, where mm. it's important to understand this, that this is reported by so many companions, it's almost at the level of mutawatir. Mm. And that was the incident of the tree. 
the incident right. of the tree that yeah. started crying and was eventually moved uh, uh, away and replaced. Yeah. You know, the Prophet Sallam, he even understood and comprehended the pain of the of the of the non-human. Mm. And we see this in the tree, we see this in the incident of the camel where the camel recognized that the Prophet Sallam was one that comprehended its pain. So it cried out to the Prophet Sallam saying that look, I'm overworked and I'm underfed. So the Prophet Sallam tried to buy this camel and he wasn't able to uh, because, well, number one, the man was shy to sell. He said, you can take it. But eventually the man realized, I will have no way to irrigate my land if I give you this camel. Mm. So the Prophet says, look, keep the camel, but just be more just to it. Feed it properly and give it some time off. Give it some time to rest. And the fundamental question you ask is, what did the camel see inside the Prophet ﷺ that made it comfortable enough to approach the Prophet ﷺ about its pain? Like thousands of people walk by this camel all the time, yet it chose the Prophet ﷺ because the Prophet ﷺ gave off this vibe of, I want to help you with your pain. And mm. Allahu Akbar, you know, I think about this in the modern day and age. If we look at the ills of our society and we look at the pain that people feel at the deepest of levels, that's what's going to change people. Mm. Taking away their pain and understanding their pain and then eventually giving them that which is beneficial. And that's what Islam in, in its essence is meant to be. So mm. that's what chapter number two was about. And uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, so important because, you know, like we said at the beginning, young people, people in general going through so many problems in this day and age, of course. regardless of what it might be. And, and for you to be there and have some level of impact on them or to of just course. hear them out and to have that emotional intelligence, which is what we're speaking about, that will far impact them than anything else that you can pretty much offer, right? right. So I guess this is why this discussion is so important. Um, so one thing, um, to, just to also ask, maybe you're coming to it, is how do we bring those qualities into our life? Like, is it something that I can just Google it and then next day I wake right. up and I've got it, right? right or right, right, is right. this something that takes a, a while to build this quality, if we want to call it? Excellent. So... You, we have to understand is that there's certain things that people are blessed with mm. and there's nothing that you can do to, to build those characteristics, exactly. right? So your physical features, you know, you're born with them. You can't change them. Mm. There's nothing that you can do to adapt to them. Whereas your muscles, you train them enough, they'll eventually get yeah. stronger and they'll build, build, build up. This is the blessing of akhlaq that yes, certain people akhlaq comes very easy to them, yeah. but others, it may be difficult, but you can still build on it at the end of the day. And emotional intelligence is something that you can definitely build upon, right? right? Something that you can definitely build upon. So just this simple hadith of none of us will truly believe till we love for our brothers or we love for ourselves. Being able to empathize with people that, hey, if this brother is in my situation, the sister's in my situation, mm. what would they need? What would they want? What can I do? proactively to give them that or to prevent any harm from reaching them, understanding the situation. Yeah. So I think just use that as a starting point. You know, give yourself enough time to understand what someone else is going through mm. by imagining yourself in that situation. How would you want to be treated? How would you want to be spoken to? How, how, how would you want people to look out for you and yeah. do that proactively for people? So just focus on this one simple aspect and you'll go a very, very long way. Yeah. But these are some of the things that... Um, when I was teaching Sheikh Mekayal's book uh, in chapter number one or the first halaqa, we addressed these topics in terms of how do you actually build emotional intelligence. So there's a much more detailed answer over there. Definitely. Brilliant. Uh, and coming back to what we said before about you know, how when we think of uh, emotional intelligence, we think of all these other people, but we never actually think about the Prophet. So, Allah, so there's actually a lot that we can learn just by studying the seerah. Um, and through this lens of how was the Prophet as a leader, 
there's actually so much new things that we can that we can definitely learn. So 100%. no, definitely, I think that's that's something very important. And like you said, we could have done a whole whole episode Podcast just on this itself, kind of yeah. stuff, right? Um, but you know, such is just the nature of of the time that we have. Allah that we only have limited time to discuss certain things. But there's a lot that I was able to take away, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. And there's a lot that uh, I'm sure our viewers and our listeners were able to take away as well. Coming back though, because because we've discussed so many different things, emotional intelligence, and then we discussed you know, qualities and, you know, uh, conversation points with your spouse and then youth at the beginning, bringing all of this back to what we started with, with the heart, right? Mm. So, you know, like we said, that if this one thing is all right, then everything else is is okay. Let's maybe end with a few kind of practical tips um, for for those who are listening in this day and age with everything that's going on around us. Um, what kind of things can we do to start working on our heart, start working on our connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our connection with our creator um, and our own spirituality. What would your last few practical tips would be? I would start with a disclaimer that um, these are things that I I continue to struggle with on a day-to-day basis. And these are the things that I'm working on. So when I speak about these topics, it's not coming from a place that this is what I've mastered. That's not it at all. But I'm just sharing in my own experience, these are things that I found beneficial for me. And inshallah, people find beneficial as well. So number one is is limiting uh, the exposure that your heart gets to to that which is harmful to it. Mm. So the things that we listen to, the things that we see in particular, we have to be so, so careful of the things that we expose to our heart. Our heart is like, uh, think of it as like a fragile baby. You know, the, this fragile baby that needs to be protected from the cold. It needs to be protected from the, the harmful environment around it. That is what the heart is, something mm. so, so fragile. So anything that comes into the heart and settles upon it is going to have a, a long-lasting effect. Yeah. It's not just like a, an in-and-out situation. It's like it'll go in, it'll stay for a long time, and then it'll eventually find yeah. its way out. So I think limiting and uh, the exposure of the ha- the haram and the, the harmful stuff to our hearts has to be number one. You cannot purify or soften your heart if the haram is still coming through. Sure. Number two is the role of istighfar. And this istighfar is a, an all-comprehensive istighfar mm. where understand that you are a human being, you will commit sins. But when you do commit a sin, you repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by giving up that sin, by feeling bad about that sin, and then by making, by asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness. And this comes from the theological standpoint that no matter how many sins I commit, as long as I don't die upon shirk, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive me. Yeah. And that is what needs to be remembered uh, at all times. And then number three is just asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for a, a, a soft heart. Mm. Asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for a qalb salim. Asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for uh, thabat, uh, a heart that is firm upon the, the truth. Mm. Uh, so those are things that have to be actively asked for. And if I was to throw in the number four, uh, which would compete with number three, is uh, control who you hang around with. Mm. Uh, this is part of you, the exposure, but it's uh, a point that needs to be made that the impact uh, of your heart is directly related to who you hang out with and what they speak about and yeah. what you get exposed to. Uh, again, that ties in with what's basically what your heart is taking in. Exactly. What, what, what yeah. yeah, so yeah. really good points, really good practical points, inshallah. A lot that we can learn from. Jazakallah khair. Really appreciate your time. No problem. Jazakallah khair for having me. No, I'm honestly. so happy to, to finally be on, on the podcast. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. I hope uh, your, the rest of your events go well. Inshallah. inshallah. And, you know, 
next time you're here of course we'd love to host you again inshallah jazakallah khair and if i can just give us a small plug yeah i'm in the process of eventually launching my own blog at navaidaziz.com brilliant so hopefully within the new year that will be launched inshallah so keep an eye out for it it's navaidaziz.com brilliant and is that going to be a lot of written stuff on the yes, blog yes yeah? a lot more written stuff inshallah, brilliant. inshallah. I, i feel that's a, a lost science <laughs> yeah, now yeah. where people don't it's write about stuff voice anymore. now it's exactly. about voice and exactly. videos yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely much needed so uh, i want to focus on that in the coming year inshallah jazakallah khair thank you may allah bless you uh, and uh, pass our salam to our beautiful people in calgary inshallah. and in, in canada in general inshallah, inshallah. 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 jazakallah khair and uh, to all of our listeners viewers thank you once again for tuning in to another podcast lots of different things that were discussed uh, in today's show um, especially towards the end with those practical tips again if you have any tips that you would want to share drop it in the comments below inshallah make sure you subscribe to our youtube channel and on itunes and from myself shabir from sheikh navid and the team inshallah we will see you another time take care of yourselves assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh